Hello everybody and welcome back to Aeromagic. Let's talk about the most magical place in Europe. I'm Eric Anderson and this is the episode for the first week of April. Yes, today I'll be giving you my trip report and talk about the security incident that we experienced at Disneyland Paris. But first, some park news. An additional Night of the Soiree Halloween event will be taking place this year at Disneyland Paris. According to at ed92live on Twitter, travel agents for Disneyland Paris are confirming that two party nights will take place, one on Saturday, October 26th, and another on Halloween night, that would be October 31st. Historically, Disneyland Paris has only hosted the Soiree Halloween event on one night of the year, which would be Halloween, resulting in pretty massive crowds for this exclusive event. So hosting a second night is a really good idea. You know, let's disperse those crowds just a bit over these two days. Tickets for the soiree on the October 26th date will cost around 60 euro, and for October 31st will be around 70 euro. In other news, Disneyland Paris posts a profit for the first time in over a decade. So according to reports by Formula Money, recent account filings have revealed that Disneyland Paris has had a profitable year. With a good boost in attendance and guest spending, revenue has increased by almost 13%. This is really great news for Disneyland Paris, you guys, who's been historically plagued by bad finances since they opened in 1992. Improvements began back in 2012 when Disney provided the 1.28 billion euro to repay the loan debts and would go on to take complete ownership five years later. According to the annual results of Euro Disney Associé, the resort's main operating company, Revenue from theme park activities rose by 14.5% to 1.01 billion euro in 2018, while an additional 450 million euro came from the subsidiary that operates five of the hotels and the 10-acre on-site entertainment district, Disney Village. Disneyland Paris is the largest employer in the Paris region. Staff numbers have increased by 4.3% to 16,368 employees. The rise in revenue helped offset the 7.2% increase in costs due largely to the staff pay increasing. This left the company with a 20.9 million euro operating profit, an improvement over the 15 million euro loss in 2017. Last year, Disney invested 197 million euro for its 25th anniversary, which included renovating the attractions and hotels. And the company announced it will invest another 2 billion euros which will expand the Walt Disney Studios Park by bringing in new lands inspired by Star Wars, Marvel, and Frozen, which we're all super excited about. The expansion is set to bring another thousand jobs to the resort. Yes, it's time to say goodbye, or better yet, hello, <laughs> to the Worldwide Engineering Brigade, or WEB for short, which will be replacing Armageddon, Les Effects Spéciaux, which will be destroying the Russian space station for the last time on March 31st. Yes, you guys, it's happening. And it's all about the upcoming Marvel Land that will be coming to Walt Disney Studios in Disneyland Paris. So the idea behind the WEB is that it was founded by Tony Stark and will give parkgoers the chance to experience what it's like to be a superhero through a blend of quote-unquote never-before-seen technology and practical effects. This sounds interesting. <laughs> we really haven't gotten too many details. But what we definitely know is that the attraction is going to feature Spider-Man, which is amazing. Disney has also partnered up with Ryan Mindering, head of visual development at Marvel Studios, to redesign the Spider-Man suit for the attraction. Can't wait to see what they do here and to find out some new details. I'll keep you guys posted. Yeah, so our trip to Disneyland Paris, you guys, this trip was an emotional roller coaster ride. 
with some lows, anxiety, and most importantly, an unprecedented amount of highs. It was so much fun. Let me take you through it. We arrived at Charles de Gaulle Airport last Friday, which was the 22nd of April 2019, which was mostly fine. We landed in Terminal 1, which has got this kind of retro, futuristic, brutalist architecture thing going on with these crazy suspended-in-the-air walkways that always remind me of the Jetsons. After arriving, we kind of had to use the little boys' room, so my better half went to check on the restroom that was still in the security zone. So, passengers only. And there were super long lines for both women and men. And the reason for this was that the restrooms at the airport, or should I just say restroom, was exactly that. It was only one room with one toilet, one sink, one mirror, and so on. So only one person could use the restroom at a time. Which for a high volume airport like Charles de Gaulle seems like a super weird choice. But, you know, there you go. Anyway, we decided that was one line we can skip and headed out to the Uber pickup point. After exiting the security area, there was another restroom with no line this time, so we gave it a shot. And Eureka, it's a normal sized restroom with all the bells and whistles. So my advice to anyone arriving at Terminal 1 in Charles de Gaulle is to exit the security area if you can, because they have much larger restrooms outside. There is actually a high-speed train between Charles de Gaulle and Disneyland Paris, which lets you get to the park station Marne-la-Vallée in only 10 minutes. It's super convenient. And this is a great option for anybody arriving there. The reason we didn't go for it was that the train was all booked up. <laughs> so my second tip to you guys is to book it in advance, because we didn't, and uh, we ended up taking an Uber, which was totally fine. Uber is a great option too. It takes about 50 minutes with uh, no delay traffic to get from the airport to Disneyland Paris, or in our case, the Hotel Cheyenne, and the whole thing costs around 45 to 50 euros. The nice thing, of course, with the Uber drive is that the Uber driver can pull right up to the hotel, so you just get out and you're in the lobby by the reception desk and you can check into your Disney hotel. <laughs> One thing I always love, you guys, is, you know, the exact moment when you're getting close to or are on Disney property is when the design of the streetlights change. At Disneyland Paris, they've got a nice shade of go-away green going on and have a distinct yet subtle Victorian-inspired style. They're really pretty. Passing the Hotel Cheyenne entryway, there's a lovely bed of flowers, and the hotel has a really pretty wooden sign with the name Hotel Cheyenne hand-lettered on it. Plus, you've got some old-timey Western props lying around like an old wagon, which is super cool. One interesting thing to note about the Hotel Cheyenne's theming and design is that it's not inspired directly by the Wild West, but instead by the motion pictures of the Wild West, or Westerns, or whatever you want to call them, with the rooms being themed to Sheriff Woody from the Toy Story films. Check-in was quick and easy. After entering the lobby, there was a light security check. They just gave us the old once-over, and we proceeded directly to the counter. The check-in staff was friendly and explained to us that we would be staying in Building 20, or as it was called, Wild Bill Hickok. <laughs> and the building was decently close to the main lobby building. Now, one thing to note here is that the Cheyenne is a massive hotel. It's got over 1,000 rooms, and those rooms are all split up into 14 distinct buildings. Not including the main building, which houses a saloon, Disney cafe, general store, and Starbucks. So after we got our room keys, park maps, and a quick info overview by one of the cast members, we headed to our room. This was about like a 5-10 to 10 minute walk. Once we get there, it was in the second story of our building by the way, we had to carry our luggage up the stairs, no elevator, and we hold the magic pass, which is basically the room key, or but should I say better yet, card, to the RFID lock and it just lights up red. <laughs> no green light, we can't get in. 
So we try the other of the two cards and same thing, just getting that red light. So what do we do now? I'm going to walk back to the <laughs> to the reception desk, which is again, you know, another five to 10 minute walk. By the time I get there, of course, there's a line now. So <laughs> I'm like, OK, I'll wait in line. <laughs> it's fine. And at this point, it's already 3 p.m. in the afternoon. So in my head, I'm like rescheduling our day because we were planning on going to the parks, which we ended up doing. But anyway, just had to restructure a couple of things in my head. I explained the problem to the cast member at the reception desk and he apologized and uh, switched out the room keys. But I asked him, you know, what if these new ones also don't work? Will I have to come back here again? <laughs> and he was like, no, so actually there's a telephone in each of the buildings and it's located somewhere in the hallways and you can just dial the reception and then they would send over a technician. So I was like, okay, fine, that's great. So headed back and Eureka, the keys work, thankfully. The room at the Hotel Cheyenne is pretty lovely in my opinion. It's it's really the best in the budget category. We had a two queen bedroom and the place was serving us some woody Toy Story realness with its adorable cowboy boot lamp sitting next to the flat screen television, a portrait of Woody and Jesse riding bullseye on the wall, and this faux wooden floor. Oh, and another big plus over the Santa Fe is that the Hotel Cheyenne has air conditioning. That's a good thing to remember in the summertime when it can get pretty hot. The day was a pleasant 17 degrees Celsius, or 63 Fahrenheit, and sunny, so we decided to walk to the parks, which is about a 20 minute walk. We began the walk on the officially marked path, which runs along this cute canal across from the Santa Fe. When we crossed paths with a cast member who told us that it would be even quicker if we exited to the front of the hotel and walked along the sidewalk by the road that all the shuttle buses and other motorized vehicles take. So this kind of intrigued us since we'd never done it before. Just, you know, give it a shot. In the end, it saved us about five minutes. I would say the walk is definitely shorter, but also it's less pretty than taking the official route. Because when you're walking by the canal, you can see, you know, cute ducks that are swimming in the water and fish. And it's just a really pleasant area to be. Whereas when you're walking by the road, as the name implies, there's just a lot of traffic. But if you really want to save those five minutes, it's... It's definitely worth keeping in mind. After passing through the security checkpoint, we headed to the ticket counter by Walt Disney Studios and exchanged our online voucher for the park ticket and entered. Since it was nearly four in the afternoon already, there was no line at the ticket counter. So my park tip is arrive a day early if you can. Even if you're not planning on heading into the parks that same day, it's worth getting your ticket ahead of time so you don't have to wait in really long lines in the morning on the day of. As always, the Disney gardening staff has really outdone themselves. There were these gorgeous flowers and just vegetation all around the entrance area. It was really beautiful. Some of the prettiest flowers I've seen this year. Walt Disney Studios Park was pretty full, but still manageable on a Friday. The first thing we did was Rock and Roller Coaster starring Aerosmith, which had a 30 minute wait. Oh my gosh, you guys, and that launch coaster sequence at the beginning of Rock and Roller Coaster. The first attraction we did. It gave me some crazy wild feelings in my tummy. <laughs> it was really fun. We rocked out to Dude Looks Like a Lady while racing through the colorfully lit hoops and got a super embarrassing ride photo at the end. <laughs> so it was worth it. After that, we headed over to Crush's Coaster, which had a 65 minute wait. And right before we were about to get on the ride, the thing broke down, which was kind of fascinating because we got to see the technicians working and folks getting evacuated from the ride. It was also really funny because right after the vehicle stopped, it seems there's a portion or a point at the loading platform which causes a snag because the cast members and technicians started shaking one of the cars by hand, <laughs> pushing up against it and just rocking it back and forth. 
I'm guessing trying to get it unsnagged, but I'm, I'm not a technician, so I have no idea. If anybody knows what they're trying to do there, please uh, <laughs> leave a comment or send a message. I'd love to know more about this. Anyway, after they reset the ride, so they turned off all the music, all the animatronics, lights came on, work lights came on, which was really jarring. And the whole loading area with the bay and the two seagulls, it just looked completely different with the work lights on. So you really get a feel for how important good lighting is. It's incredible. The whole reset and just getting the traction back up and running took about 25 minutes. And we got to ride it once, which is crazy fun as always. Definitely recommend it while you're there, even though the lines are crazy and there's no fast pass. Spinning and twisting through the East Australian current. <laughs> it's really, really fun. After the Walt Disney Studios Park closed at 6 p.m., we headed over to Disneyland Park, where we got in a few more rides on Hyperspace Mountain Star Tours. Skipped the fireworks on that day because we were kind of thinking, OK, we're going to be there two more days, so we'll catch them on one of those days and headed over to Disney Village to grab a table at Planet Hollywood before the fireworks crowd catch up with us. Oh, Planet Hollywood, how I adore you. <laughs> you guys, the food here is surprisingly delicious. As an appetizer, I had the chicken crunch, which next to Kentucky Fried Chicken is pretty much my favorite fried chicken ever. And as a main, the pulled pork sandwich, which is also pretty great. My better half had the French onion soup, which was really good, and vegetarian fajitas, which were also amazing. The whole restaurant is pretty much the Hard Rock Cafe, but with movie memorabilia. And let's be honest here, it's, it's stuck in the 90s and it needs a refurb, but they do do a decent job maintaining it. You can see the wall's been touched up here and there. But the location is unbeatable. It's the first one that catches your eye because of the big round planet. And they do have some really cool props, like the hammer arm costume Michael Keaton wore in Beetlejuice. After dinner, we took the shuttle bus back to the hotel, which worked flawlessly, and picked up some water for the night at the gift shop. Saturday, we got up for extra magic hours, which started at 8.30 a.m. and headed directly to Walt Disney Studios, <laughs> this time taking the path along the canal, which was lovely. We booked a Fast Pass Ultimate for that day. You used to be able to pick it up at guest services at the park, which we discovered is no longer possible, so this was a bit frustrating since we had to go... Well, first we went in the park, <laughs> waited in line, get in the park. Then we had to exit the park again, <laughs> head to the ticket counter, stand in line there, pick up the fast pass, which you know seems kind of redundant since the whole point is not to wait in line, and by that time the line was already pretty long. But it turned out it was definitely worth it because I have never seen a fuller day at Disneyland Paris. Ratatouille was at 200 plus minutes for most of the day, along with 180 minutes for Big Thunder Mountain. You guys can imagine, you get the idea. The park was crazy full, which as a guest makes me kind of cringe. But as somebody who wishes Disneyland Paris all the financial success, it makes me very happy. Either way, we were having the best time ever. Saturday was all about the attractions. Grabbing a quick bite at one of the restaurants, I think we went to, yeah, we went to restaurant En Coulisse, which I'm happy to report has a vegetarian burger option, although it's not in a menu. And then we went right back to riding the attractions. We rode everything, especially Big Thunder Mountain, just because it's our favorite. Oh, and something I noticed on Big Thunder Mountain from uh, Saturday to Sunday. Well, some backstories. So Big Thunder Mountain was undergoing refurbishment and it was still closed on Friday when we got there. So Saturday was its first day back. And after the refurbishment, I think it was a two week refurbishment, some of the effects were not yet active, like the water in the cave and the bat eyes. And then on Sunday, they managed to get those back up again. So it was kind of neat to experience both versions. You could say the regular gorgeous edition and the despecialized version. <laughs> really, we had a fabulous day on Saturday at the parks. It was insanely full, but the Disney magic one. And especially with the Fast Pass Ultimate, you got to do a lot. As always, the parks are drop dead gorgeous. 
in the evening we headed to Planet Hollywood. Again, I know you guys. <laughs> we just were really craving some fajitas. And we just received our main course when the manager came to our table and informed us that for security reasons, currently nobody was allowed to enter or leave the restaurant. When we inquired as to why, he said he didn't know, which I'm guessing wasn't exactly truthful, but probably up to protocol to keep everybody calm. All right, and after a quick break, we're going to get to the security incident. However, in the age of social media, news spreads pretty fast, and before long, there are stories surfacing on Twitter that possibly gunshots had been heard in Disney Village, and there was this video of people running all over the place, but, you know, nothing confirmed. We asked a nearby waitress, and she related a similar story, although she said that it could have been some kind of technical issue, like fireworks going off at the wrong time or something along those lines. At this point, we had mostly, like, lost our appetite. In a situation like this, it just strains your nerves. And they'd also turned off the music in the restaurant. Now, the way Planet Hollywood is set up is that you walk up a flight of stairs to get in, and then there's a waiting area and a bar across from the upstairs dining area. So we were sitting in the upstairs dining area, and all of a sudden we hear a bunch of people screaming, running into the dining area from the bar, and we're sitting in kind of a part where you really couldn't see much of it because it's kind of curved. We just saw a bunch of people running in at breakneck speed into the dining area. I mean, chairs were flipping over. It was it was crazy. At this point, when you're in a situation like this, you don't think. So what we did was we just got on the floor under our table. You could see chairs, plates, glasses strewn all over the floor, and everybody was just freaking out. It was, it was so terrifying, you guys. After a while, the situation calmed down, and the manager came back in to assure everyone that the restaurant was still secure, that nobody could get in or out. But by this point, I'd already scraped my knee from dropping to the floor super fast in panic. And there was a lady sitting across from our table who had a, a bit of a bloody leg because I'm guessing she cut it on some glass or something. The manager ended up uh, getting up on one of the chairs and addressing everybody, just explaining again the situation that the restaurant is on lockdown, that nobody can get in, nobody can get out, and that somebody apparently dropped something and it caused a minor panic in the restaurant. So really, it was some of the worst of it in Planet Hollywood where we were. I don't know about the other places, you guys. If anybody else was there on that evening, I would, I would love to hear from you. After a while, they gathered all the folks who were waiting in the waiting area, who were waiting at the bar, and just brought everybody into the dining area. And then the French police came, and they were dressed in some heavy gear, you guys. I mean, this was like some serious black. <laughs> it looked bulletproof, but I'm no expert, but it was just that really heavy kind of dark with helmets. And they searched the restaurants. And as you guys can imagine, my nerves were fried. Everybody in the restaurant was just super anxious and ready to get this night over with. And I don't know if it was the adrenaline or something, but I was personally starting to get kind of shaky and jumpy too. Because in a moment of panic like that, like there was in that restaurant, um, you really fear for your safety. After they searched the restaurant, we were informed that we would be able to leave the restaurant and they would let a few folks at a time leave. Everybody lined up and headed to the exit where we were patted down and the backs were searched by the officers. So the French police, you guys, they're super professional. They spoke English, um, so there was no communication issues at all. Again, also, all the employees of Planet Hollywood, big compliment. You know, they all remained calm and professional at all times. After heading back down the stairs towards Disney Village, well, the entire of Disney Village was pretty much sealed off. They herded everybody in a single direction towards the train station across from the parks. Before entering the train station, we were patted down again. And there's police everywhere. Everything felt really secure, which was great. We were informed that the shuttle buses weren't running, but we were allowed to walk back to our hotels. 
over the outside route, meaning the sidewalk by the road. So we passed through the train station and took the rear exit to the road that headed to the Hotel Cheyenne. After getting back to our rooms, which <laughs> I don't think I've ever been so happy to be back in a hotel room in my life, uh, the news broke that nothing had actually happened, which was great. I was so relieved. There was no terrorist attack. The panic caused in Disney Village was due to a malfunctioning escalator at the railway station, which apparently started making loud noises. I mean, I can just imagine how that could be construed as something that sounds like automatic weapon. You know, these escalators, or if it's a walkway, for example, the mechanical parts moving, and if they don't move right, you know, they might make like a tick, 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 or some kind of sound like that. So I'm really thankful that nobody was seriously injured, and at the end of the day, there was no attack. Again, a big compliment to Disney of how they handled it. I mean, really, it was it felt very organized. Nothing felt crazy, except for that one panic incident in the restaurant. Everything went really smoothly. The police were great. The cast members were great. And everybody was just trying to keep calm and safe. I was actually really debating you guys on whether to talk about this on the podcast or not, because usually I try to keep it super positive here. I'm personally a huge fan of Disneyland Paris. If not, I wouldn't be doing this. And I don't want to cause anyone any anxiety, but it is very interesting to kind of get an inside perspective of how they would handle a crisis situation. And I'm happy to say that they handled it as well as you could, I can imagine. I mean, it just it's just everybody, like I said, the cast members were super calm. The police was there just right away <laughs> like that. So I think everybody just really did their best work. The next day we slept in a bit. The parks were just operating as usual. We got there, I think, around 10 a.m., and once again started the day over at Walt Disney Studios before heading over to Disneyland Park in the afternoon. It was a pretty busy day again, but we had a great time. Uh, we saw the newly updated Mickey and the Magician show, which was absolutely fabulous, you guys. I mean, I really, really recommend it. It's a Broadway quality show in the parks. We've seen several Disney Broadway musicals now, like Aladdin and the Lion King, and this really could compete in terms of production quality and the actors and the dancing, the set design, the lighting, the costumes, the singing. I mean, just everything was up to par. I really highly recommend this show to anybody visiting the parks. It lasts around 30 minutes, and it kind of feels like a best-of album of some of Disney's greatest songs. It features the hits from Beauty and the Beast, The Lion King, Aladdin, Frozen, and just ties it all together with a really cute story. Plus, it's a great way to sit and relax before heading out to your next attraction. Since it was our last day, we decided we could take it a bit slower than usual, and decided we had the patience to do a sit-down lunch at Captain Jack's over at Pirates of the Caribbean in Disneyland Park. So we headed over to the other park, which is located right next to Walt Disney Studios, and just Main Street USA, you guys. Every single time, it just takes my breath away in Paris. Just in my opinion, Disneyland Paris has the most beautiful castle-type park. I mean, the detail that Tony Baxter and his team integrated is, is just spectacular. And it has these gorgeous arcades on the right and left-hand sides of Main Street. So in case it's rainy, you can just rush right in there and stay dry. And it's beautiful. It has these gas lighting. It's, it's gorgeous. And of course, Sleeping Beauty's castle is breathtaking as always. One of my favorite details from Main Street is this coffee ad from Nescafe, which is done in the Victorian retro style. And there's a physical coffee cup that's mounted onto the poster and steam rises from the cup. So it's such a cute design detail. Anyway, so we headed over to Adventureland for lunch at Captain Jack's, and the atmosphere there is really unbeatable, you guys. I mean, we watched the boats pass by <laughs> every once in a while. One of the passengers would yell, Bon Appetit, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. And we'd yell back, Merci. <laughs> As a starter, we had the Caribbean guacamole root vegetable salad, which was insanely hot. Definitely only order that if you really like to eat spicy food. 
and the chopped smoked chicken with green papaya and pickled vegetables, which was absolutely fabulous. It had this really fresh citrusy taste and was served cold, making this a really good warm weather dish. For the main course, we had the vegetable curry, plantain banana, and captain's rice, which was pretty nice, and the oven-baked mahi-mahi fish steak with coconut sauce and bell peppers, which is also pretty good, and the coconut sauce was really more of a um, tomato-y sauce. I didn't really taste any of the coconut, but anyway, it was really good. For dessert, we shared the island-style rice pudding with mango puree, which was very good. Just an overall great experience. <laughs> Captain Jack was also actually uh, there on the day of visiting the tables. Although he didn't come to our table, we saw him interact with other guests, which was really fun. And everybody was getting their picture taken with him. After that, we kind of decided to try the Fast Pass Ultimate again, <laughs> since it was still pretty full day at the parks, but not the unlimited version. There's also a version which lets you ride every Fast Pass attraction, but only once. In comparison to the unlimited version, which comes in at 150 euro during the high season, this one comes in at 90 euro per person. The way it works is kind of interesting because they print out a paper ticket, and every time you ride one of the listed attractions, they punch a hole in the card. Now, one thing that was really kind of frustrating was the cast member at the ticket counter marked little X's in the spaces where they would usually punch a hole but only for the attractions over at Walt Disney Studios. As she explained, those are all the attractions over at that park. So I guess her idea was to make it easier on us so we could differentiate which attractions are where. And she did this, like I said, on all the attractions over at Walt Disney Studios. She put little X's in just the spots where they usually punch the holes, which again, is a nice idea in theory. But really, it just created a lot of confusion when we got there because the cast members at the entrance, even though there wasn't a hole punched in the spot where the X is, they kind of assumed that we'd already written it because sometimes they don't punch a hole in it, but they mark it also with a, with a pen if they don't have a hole puncher with them. So it was just kind of frustrating. I mean, I guess she could have also, you know, drawn a bracket or something around the attractions over at the other park instead of marking little X's right where they punched the hole. That would have been way less confusing to the other cast members. And I'm guessing they kind of just need to adjust the training or something in Paris because it's not working, you guys. <laughs> Please fix it. We still ended up being able to ride all the attractions. We just had to explain it every single time we tried to ride one at Walt Disney Studios. They're like, no, we haven't ridden this before. The cast member at the ticket counter marked little X's in the spots. Yada, yada, yada. Besides all the fabulous attractions we rode on Sunday, another highlight was definitely the animals that live in the park, which is super fascinating. They're cute geese and ducks, and, you know, they're just living their lives there. And I totally understand because if I was a duck or goose, I would totally hang out there all day as well. It's that time of year, two geese were building their nests on the small island right in front of Big Thunder Mountain, and they were absolutely adorable and <laughs> served up some great entertainment while we were waiting in line. And just, you know, generally the scenery, the design, the theming, the gardening of Disneyland Paris, it just makes for such a pleasant experience. So many gorgeous things to look at, and it's just so much more beautiful than <laughs> any other regular run-of-the-mill theme park. But those geese, you guys, are so cute. In the evening, we watched the fabulous Disney Illumination show, which combines projection mapping with lasers, fireworks, and water elements. It's a really great wrap to a day at the parks, and the castle just illuminates in different colors with favorite songs from Disney movies. It's, it's a really, really great show. We didn't really feel like dining in Planet Hollywood again after the previous night's, you know, deja vu. So to change it up, we decided on a whim, which is always a bit risky, <laughs> to go to Disney's Buffalo Bill Wild West show with Mickey and Friends at Disney Village. We tried to call to make a reservation at the show while we were waiting in line, 
on the same day at Disneyland Paris. However, we got this automated phone message that due to the high amount of calls they were receiving, we wouldn't be connected. <laughs> Not wait in the loop, mind you, but just disconnected from the call. <laughs> An automated message explained that we could also make reservations via email and they would respond within 48 hours. To anyone who knows in advance, they would definitely like to see this Western style dinner show. Just to be on the safe side, I would recommend making reservations by email because it's just super hassle free and you definitely have your seat reserved. Like I said, we tried our luck at the ticket counter and thankfully there is still room. So there are two categories available. Category two, which is a more affordable option with seating on the far left and right and towards the rear of the theater. And category one, which was what we tried, which is 80 euro per person. And that price includes the dinner, the drinks during the show and the show itself. You walk into the waiting area and you really feel like you're in a old west modern fusion type place. I had some Texas Roadhouse flashbacks because of the cool neon signs and gorgeous dark wooden textures that you find as you enter the waiting space. There's also a very distinct barn scent going on, which was kind of unique, so you could definitely tell their live animals are nearby. <laughs> the official show schedule was set for 9pm, but 9pm was really when the pre-show started, which is definitely not to be missed, it's awesome. It lasted around 30 minutes and consisted of lovely live country music and singing with an appearance by Goofy, which was hilarious. During that time, you could order drinks at the bar, which were an extra charge, and just enjoy the space in general, which is beautiful. There's poster art all over the walls that just get you in the mood for Buffalo Bills and just kind of tell some of the backstory. Oh, and I almost forgot the most important part. So upon entering the building, guests are divided up into different teams. Red, yellow, green, and blue. The latter of which was our team. And you can clearly see who belongs where by the distinct shade of the banner that lines the cowboy hats everyone gets during the entry. And you get to keep the hat at the end, which makes for a really great souvenir. So everybody's wearing their cowboy hats at the bar, and it just adds to the whole immersion and flair of the experience. <laughs> Yeehaw! The show itself features stunts, horse riding, competitive elements, and comedy. It's almost completely in English, which is excellent for international visitors like myself. The show itself is nice, but it's really the complete package which makes it worthwhile. With the dinner and the atmosphere, so the food is totally fine, but it's nothing to like shout home about. It fits in with the western theme, and as a starter you're served cornbread and chili con carne, or chili sin carne if you're a vegetarian. By the way, the cast members come around with these large pots and then portion out the food to you, so it kind of has that sitting by the campfire and everybody's getting their share of food feeling, and this is a definitely a positive thing. It really gives it kind of like a homey family type feel. As main dish, you get sausage, chicken leg, unpeeled baby potatoes, and two ribs. My vegetarian friends get unpeeled baby potatoes, green beans with various veggies and a bit of pasta. Overall, the food was fine and yummy, but again, like I said, nothing to go crazy over. For drinks, you can choose between Coke, water, and beer. And for dessert, you get an apple pie with a scoop of ice cream, which was super yummy. I think that was personally my favorite part. Optionally, you can also get a coffee or espresso after the dessert. Overall, I would definitely recommend the experience because it really transports you out of France and into a fantasy western world. The show itself is not going to compete with Cirque du Soleil, but it was really never intended to do that. And there are so many unique elements that it just really makes it worthwhile and entertaining. Really, the whole thing works well as a complete package with the live music, the atmosphere, the dinner, and of course, the show itself. So if you're looking for something entertaining after your day at the parks, Buffalo Bill's Wild West show with Mickey and Friends is a pretty good option in my opinion. 
After the show, we headed back to our hotel, and wouldn't you know it, again, the little red light makes an appearance at the door. So we couldn't get into our rooms after a long day at the park, so we headed back to the main building again and walked to the reception desk. And here's where it gets kind of strange. So we booked over Hotels.com, not sponsored, because it was a bit more affordable than booking directly over the Disneyland Paris website. So apparently Hotels.com had split the reservation up into two parts, even though my confirmation email clearly showed only one reservation from Friday to Monday. So what they'd done is they'd booked one reservation from Friday to Saturday, and then another reservation from Sunday to Monday, on the same name, but with two different reservation numbers in their system. We were freaking out a little bit because, you know, what does that mean? Does that mean they took all of our stuff out of the room and put it in storage or something? Or what do we do now? Thankfully, it was an easy fix. The cast member at the reception desk was super nice, and she gave us the same room we had been residing in for the second booking, and fixed us up with a fresh pair of room keys. All our belongings were still there untouched in the room and the room itself had also been uh, made up with beds made and everything cleaned. All is well that ends well, but it was just the final mini hiccup we encountered and like I said it was a reservation issue that was most likely due to Hotels.com and not Disneyland Paris's fault, so can't blame them. Overall, I would say this was a really really fun trip, like I said with a few hiccups and one scare but I'm already looking forward to going back again. I just, ugh, so much fun, you guys. If you're in Paris, really check it out. You'll have an amazing time. It's such a unique Disney experience. So listener question. This week's question comes from Gabriel and he's wondering, Hey Eric, we're going to enjoy Disneyland Paris in a few weeks and I'm searching for some of Disneyland Paris's park music. Would you happen to know where I can listen to it? Hello, Gabriel. <laughs> Thank you so much for that amazing question. Yes, so a great place to find music from the parks is actually on Spotify. There's an official Disneyland Paris album. I'll put a link in the show description. And it features several songs you can still find in the park today. And if you like, you can purchase the CD in the parks as well. I know they sell it at several of the gift shops there. Sadly, the album hasn't really been updated regularly, so it's missing a lot of the newer editions. The alternative here is to go on YouTube. For example, if you try searching for, quote, Walt Disney Studios entrance music loop, end quote, you'll get some really great results. And there are several really great YouTube channels out there that are dedicated to the music at Disneyland Paris and Disney Parks in general. Definitely check those out. Thank you so much, Gabriel, for that amazing question. If you have any questions regarding Disneyland Paris or you just like to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter at NowDisneyland and on Instagram under AirMachine. Please make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or whatever the platform of your choice is, and leave a rating and review of what you'd like to hear next. Thank you to DisneylandParis-News.com and WDWNT.com, all of which are the excellent sources for the information compiled in this episode of the podcast. Podcast. Thank you for joining me today. For Aramashik, this is Eric. Have a great day. Bye bye. Aramashik is an unofficial podcast made with love and is not affiliated with the Walt Disney Company or any of its subsidiaries.